0: Now, today's Father's Day, and uh, our lesson today is entitled, God Moves in Ordinary People, talking about people in the book of Acts. So we're going to divide this into two different sort of sections. The first section is going to be today, and I think you'll like the title that I've selected because today is Father's Day. And this fits together. It says, God moves through extraordinary people, uh, and today is part one, it's the older people. Okay, Father's Day. If you, you follow that, Father's Day. So we're going to look at, at Peter and Paul. All right. Next week we're going to be in the park. And so two weeks from the day, we'll be back here. I won't be here. I'll be already on the, the, the trip down to St. Louis for the REACH conference. But uh, uh, either uh, Raphael or uh, somebody else uh, will do that lesson today. And that would be God works with uh, ordinary people. Part two will be the younger people. And they'll probably look at Timothy and, and Titus or Silas or something like that. And, and that, that'll be a great study. But uh, before I get into my, my actual sermon, I want to talk about Father's Day a little bit. Look in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. Okay. Leviticus. Chapter 19, you say, whoa, Leviticus, we're going deep. Uh, we're starting out deep uh, talking about this. But uh, I want to talk about Father's Day because, you know, uh, most of us have fathers that are still alive. My father died about 13 years ago. Uh, that may be true in some of our lives, but most of us uh, are either fathers or we have fathers. And I'm going to try to help you understand a little bit here what fathers want from their children more than anything else. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32, this is this general advice that it's going through to the Jewish people and the, the uh, older times, and it's talking about how you should behave around older people. It says, Rise in the present presence of the aged. Okay? Aged just means older than you. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Let me tell you, as a dad. And as a person, I think it has a pretty good understanding over many years of dealing with with older people in general, men and women, but men in particular, your dad wants to feel from you respect. Men are an interesting creation of God. Look over to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33. In the most intimate relationship that people can have in life, that of marriage, the wife and the husband have very specific instructions of what do you do? What what should you try to be uh, for your spouse? And in Ephesians 5 verse 33, Paul here is ending up a discussion about marriage And he says, sort of closing it up and and condensing it down to what he just talked about. He says, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You have basically uh, sort of nailed down here, okay, if you do this, you're covering most of your bases. The husband is to do what? Love his wife. And what does the man need from his wife? Respect. respect. A man that does not feel respect is a man that is capable of doing some very bad things. When fathers don't feel respected by their children, when husbands don't feel respected by their wives, when men don't feel respected in an overall general sense, you have a situation that is probably not going to end good. Now, I say that to all of us on Father's Day, because all of us today are probably either going to be with our fathers, or or call our fathers, or or have some sort of family gathering and that kind of thing. You may say, well, my dad uh, was a knucklehead, and... and, uh, You know, he doesn't really deserve my respect. I would urge you to search your soul and find something that you can emphasize as something you respect your dad on. And express it. Say it to your dad. Your dad needs to hear that from you. Your dad is probably as aware and and tuned in to his mistakes and and, uh, mess-ups as you are, or maybe even more. And probably feels guilty about a lot of things uh, that that may or may not have been been, uh, uh, perfect in your life. But men need to feel respected. And I urge you, try to find some way to be respectful to your dad. On Father's Day and express that. And today is probably not the day to work out all your family problems. <laughs> Leave that for another day. But find a way, guys, to, to, uh, to, uh, to be respectful to your Father. Now I want to throw this in, just in, in fairness. Look over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because this is a little challenge for the fathers uh, along the way. Uh, but, uh, you know, just to, to, to uh, help us sort of... Uh, balance things out about this idea of respect. In First Thessalonians 4, in verse 11, it says, Make your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work hard with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, so you'll not be dependent on anybody. This passage of Scripture is not talking about fathers at all, but it is talking about the idea of doing things that, that uh, he uses the, ter- the terminology here, can win the respect. And for all the fathers here, respect is something that you need. It's something that, that hopefully people will give to you. Uh, but in, in, uh, in a real sense, respect is something that you earn by your behavior. And if you feel like, if you're like, well, nobody respects me. That's probably not true, first of all. But even if it is true, I would urge you to maybe look in the mirror before you start blaming everybody else. Maybe the reason that nobody is treating you with a lot of respect is that you haven't been doing much to earn it in your life. I can look at my life and I can say this. Most of the time, the people that I respect are people that earned my respect. It isn't that I just looked at them and said, hey, I really respect you. As a matter of fact, with some people, I looked at them and the way they treated me, I, you know, I look at them and say, I pretty much don't respect you. If you understand what I'm saying. But there are certain people in all of our lives, and hopefully our dads fall into that category that we can look at them and say and know that they earned our respect right. by things that they did and things that they said and the way they lived their life uh, around us. So dads, uh, you know, today's our day to get a lot of respect and, and admiration and appreciation, and that's awesome. But I do want to throw that sort of challenge to you out there. You need to be earning respect as you live your life and the way that you deal with your children. Okay, back to Peter and Paul, right? Okay, we're going to look at Peter and Paul, and we're not going to do this all day because it's Father's Day, right? Look over in the book of Acts chapter 3. Acts 3. You guys there already? No, you're not. I know you're not. Acts 3. I'm going to beat most of you anyway, and I have the old-fashioned Bible up here. Acts 3. You're already there? So am I. Acts 3. And very beginning verse 1. Now, Peter and Paul, they're the old guys, okay? And we're going to look at one story from Peter and one story from Paul uh, to sort of get a feel for their life. Peter is the, the quintessential blue-collar kind of guy. He is a fisherman, right? We know that from Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, and, and John, that, that he's a fisherman. He's just a, a regular guy. He didn't go to a fancy school. He didn't have a fancy wardrobe. Uh, my guess is, before he started hanging out with Jesus, he was as crude and tough and mean as anybody you'd ever want to meet. Right? As for some of us out there, we say, all oh, good. I can relate with that guy. He's just a regular guy. Nothing fancy about Peter. And we'll we'll see in this story about him some pretty interesting things and even you can uh, help me uh, put our piece together of, of, of what we're looking at when we're looking at Peter. It says that one day, Verse 1, right there, you guys, you guys there? One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So they're going up to share their faith and pray. It says, Now a man crippled from birth was being carried in the temple uh, gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. And many of us say, Amen to that. But they were going to give their fifty two dollars to hope a white. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Helping him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them around the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit uh, begging at the temple cave called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And it goes on and it talks about uh, his involvement uh, with him uh, going on from there. And this story is going to continue. So here we meet Peter. And and what what comes out of Peter's mouth? I don't have any money. But what I have, I will give you. And he, he heals this guy. And of course, you know, the story, you know, you wish you had this one in video. I mean, it says he's leaping and jumping and, you know, he's going all around. He's all fired up. And Peter had, has sort of been involved in his life in helping him out. Now, what happens as we go on here is that Peter takes this opportunity to preach. And then uh, they get in trouble with the uh, religious leaders on it. Look over to chapter 4 and verse 8. We're going to pick this up. Because they get... Uh, you know, sort of in front of the Sanhedrin here, the the Jewish leadership group. And it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and I ask how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven to men by which they must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now it goes on, that we're going to, we're going to follow this through, because this story continues. Look over to chapter 5, and verse 27. Here they're going to find themselves again in front of the Sanhedrin. It says, Having brought the apostles, uh, they, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, that you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. And it goes on, and we don't have time to read all the rest of it. Okay, now, with that little brief, you know, reading those scriptures, you help me. What kind of person was Peter? What are the qualities in his life that come out in this story? He's brave, He's brave or courageous. Yeah, back in the back. Straightforward. He, he seems to be unbelievably straightforward. Yeah, He's on a he, he feels a sense of mission or, or purpose. I saw a hand over there somewhere. <laughs> there, Kevin. i about what other people
1: think.
0: Un, yeah, seems to be a bit unconcerned uh, about that. How about my teenagers down here? Anything? They're thinking. <laughs> They're getting nothing. <laughs> How about the boys in the second row? Come on, guys. You showed him up last time. Show up. (laughs) No, none of you guys. Barbara, you are not a teenager. (laughs) What did you see, though?
1: I thought um, that he is
0: more interested in
1: following what God wants rather than anything else.
0: Okay, yeah, he's more concerned, you know, we must obey God rather than men. See, so I'm more concerned about what God thinks about me than you think about me. Now, these are pretty important people. Yeah? Um, I guess he's really faithful that
1: if he's, you know, all these
0: important leaders just focus on God. Oh. Yeah, he has a great sense of faithfulness to God. How about just kindness? Yeah. Compassion. You know, they're walking into the temple courts and here's this guy who apparently has been there for a long time. He's been sat there a, a long time. Maybe Peter's seen him many times. Who knows? He actually cared about the guy. And he has kindness. And he even says that. If we're being called to account for an act of kindness shown to a cripple. So he even notices that about himself. You know, it's okay to notice good things in yourself sometimes. You know, I am a kind guy. You know, or, you know I did I'd do something kind there. Peter is, he's an every man's kind of guy. Now in Paul, we're going to see a little bit of a different kind of guy. Paul is highly educated. We'll get to him a little bit later. But, I mean, Paul and Peter from a a personality type, from a a, a sociological study type of, of study. Paul and Peter are at the ends of the continuum. Peter's over here. He's an every man's every man. Paul is, is a, a more of an aristocratic, highly educated, uh, well-spoken kind of a guy. Uh, you know, in, in my mind's eye, I, I think of Peter, and it may not have been, we don't know anything really about the physical uh, makeup of him, but when I think of Peter, I think of a big guy. I'm thinking six foot and above, muscle, a little scarred up. You know, maybe you know, you know, and not you know, not not tattooed, but uh, you know, uh, you know, he had been in a fight or two. You know, he got his nose busted and it was turned wrong way or something like that. You know, I mean, I think Peter was that kind of guy, and the the Sanhedrin even noticed that about them. They were unschooled and ordinary men. There was nothing about Peter. That you would look at from an outside perspective and say, "Hey, this is a blue blood." Right. Peter was just a tough guy. He was a fisherman. He worked with his hands. He sweat. He got dirty. He stunk when he came home at night. That's the kind of guy. There's two kind of jobs. The kind of job where you take a shower when you come home. From work? Well, the kind of job where you take a shower before you go to work.
1: Now
0: hey, you think about that. <laughs> Peter didn't need to take a shower before he went to work. Everybody else who was there with him smelled like him anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, but, I mean, guys, here's the thing I wrote down. Look at the qualities in his life that being with Jesus, these qualities developed in this guy's life. Kindness. Compassion. Humility. Hey, I ain't got any money. He's humble about it. Boldness. Conviction. Courage. Toughness. Evidently, not even bitter and resentful about the Sanhedrin. Had a good attitude toward them as this whole thing that developed in, in life. Think of those qualities, guys. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be something if someone could describe you and say, What are you like? Kind, compassionate, humble, bold, courageous? Full of conviction, toughness, and doesn't hold a grudge. Wow. Peter, because he had been with Jesus, had become quite a guy. And I think Jesus, when he first met Peter and the first interactions with him and all that, I think he must have looked at Peter and said, wow, we've got a long way to go, but Wow. If I can really get in this guy's heart, if I can really convert him, he is going to be incredible. That's the kind of guy that Peter was, that old guy. Now let's move on to Paul. Paul, as we've said earlier and sort of understanding the comparison, is a different kind of guy. He's highly educated. Uh, likely was raised in an in, in aristocratic uh, type of family, a wealthier type of family. He was uh, schooled under Gamaliel, and so this was a, a highly respected uh, type of situation. Many people theorize about Paul that although when we know Paul um, later in, in life, in the comments he makes, he's he's single. But many people believe because of the comments and the the amount of information that he gives about marriage that Paul was probably married at, at, uh, at an earlier time in his life. And my guess is uh, that that likely was true. We don't really know. That's one of the things, you know, you get to heaven and you could ask the question, hey, we were unclear on that. You know, uh, were, were you married or were you not uh, when when you uh, wrote all those things about marriage? But uh, we have a little bit of a different situation with him. But look over to Acts 20. Acts 20. Once again, we're going to look at one little uh, event from the life of uh, of Paul. And, you know, looking at one event in a person's life, you get a picture, right? But a picture doesn't tell everything. Have you ever taken a picture that you look at it and you think, wow, that's not a very good picture of me. <laughs> you ever done that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we all have had that moment where you look at a picture someone took and you're like, oh, uh, yeah. tell, tell me I do better than that. Uh, uh, or, you know, other times you look at a picture and you're like, whoa. That is my good sign. Okay. I, I need to remember that sign. How did I look? And, you know, uh, how, you know, because you look better. So a picture can give you a bit of a skewed view one way or another, uh, if you know what I'm saying. And we're only looking at one picture of uh, these two guys in, uh, in uh, Paul and Peter. But in Acts 20, what we have here is Paul is meeting with the uh, elders of the church in Ephesus. This is a church that he had helped establish early on. Let's pick it up in verse 17. It says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time that I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, even though I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have... I declared both the Jews and Greeks they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And so he he gets off and he 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 talks about things that have been involved. He goes on and says, And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city where the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit warns me, warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me—the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace—and then skip over to verse. Uh, let's pick it up in verse uh, thirty-two. Now, I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourself know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Himself, saying, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. Okay, so here we have one little snapshot of Paul. Trying to figure out who is Paul, meeting with the Ephesian elders. And he actually says a lot of things about himself as he talks to them and he tries to help them uh, understand how they need to lead the church and help the church. What do you guys see there? What's Paul like from that we see in this snapshot? What's Paul like? Yeah, Rob? Hard
1: work.
0: He, he, he references it by this kind of hard work. And so he is a hard worker. Yeah?
1: I going to the work thing, he's, he's willing to get his hands dirty and do tasks that perhaps other people are not. He doesn't consider himself too good to do certain tasks.
0: Exactly. And that's important, knowing his background. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, he makes the fact... He, he says, I have taught you publicly from house to house. I have been in you guys' homes. You know? Hey, I, I've eaten your food. You're, you know, I sat at your table. I mean, he is in there. He is dealing with them on a, a very, very basic level. What a, a Campus minister, you guys see anything? You guys know how to read? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well,
0: he's no he's very direct. He seems to be very direct. Yeah. He cares deeply. Seems to be a real tight emotional bond, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: he wasn't deterred by opposition.
0: There was opposition, but it didn't seem to slow him down much. So, yeah, yeah. He was well-liked and was a good guy to be
1: around because all his friends were sad when they
0: found out leaving. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you know how much people love you, you know, when you leave. Uh, <laughs> You know? (laughs) Don't let the door hit you on the way out, you know? Yes, sir. I think he was humble and a chance of doing God's work because he knew that he risked his life
1: every time he went to proclaim the good news about the gospel because. Of the things that were going on at the time, but he ain't care about his own life; He'd rather, cared about God's will. Yeah, I mean that's quite
0: a statement he says there. He said, "I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me—the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace." I mean, he's like, "Hey, dude, I am focused on this thing." What else? What, what else you guys see? Yes, come on, front row. He made it clear
1: to others what. Uh, God has showed them that he wants to do so that they don't have to think about it. They
0: just know exactly what uh, God wants us to do. And and I I like how you put that. He made it clear to people around him. I I think people that were around Paul, it was crystal clear what he was trying to do. Yeah, back in the back. Yeah. Uh,
1: Aware of who he was, who he is, and what he
0: was. I I think he had a good sense of self-awareness. He knew who he was. And, And what he was. And what he was doing, yeah. Yes, ma'am? Um, I think also based
1: on where he was in the kind of person he was, you know, highly educated, always mingling around, kind of like the wealthy, he wasn't affected by wealth. Some mm-hmm. um, like, he audited over all the goals
0: of what he had to care about. Yep, I think that's a good point. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes that can be very hard for people that have been raised in a wealthier type of life or wealthy type of, uh, 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 experience of life, they, 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 they feel so out of place when they're not in a place of wealth or in a place of, where, where that kind of lifestyle is lived. But it seemed like Paul, I mean, he, he, he was raised there, but he can live here and he's just happy as a clam and, and seems to be very satisfied with life. Anything else you guys see? Yeah.
1: I think he just led by example. He's like, hey, look at what I'm doing. Look at my life. Look at my example of how I'm helping you and helping others and
0: helping the companions that I'm with. And I think that's unbelievable. I mean, he says, you know, you guys know how I lived. That's a pretty bold thing to say. Hey, you know how I lived. In other words, I lived my life. It was out there for all to see. You know, it's embarrassing sometimes. i got to say this. It's embarrassing sometimes in the religious world of religious leaders, ministers, and, and people in the religion. You, you go and you start finding out about the private lives of where they're living. They're living in a life of luxury. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, how can that be? Paul says, you know how I lived. You're well aware Of where I'm at And what my moral values were And what my sense of how I should live I set an example for you In life And that kind of thing You have Peter and Paul As two completely different kind of people Yet when you begin to analyze Here's the things I wrote down A servant of God And a servant to them He makes reference to that He's a person of the people He's committed, hardworking, and loving and tender. What that in that last thing. Uh, you know, they, they, they knelt down and they prayed. They, they all wept and they embraced him and kissed him. I mean, he, he loved these people. They loved him. Yeah. There was a close personal bond that they have together. When you look at Peter and Paul. They came from two completely different places at the beginnings of their life. Yes. But as they came to Jesus, they got closer and, closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to the same qualities. Now, Paul was always Paul. Yes. Peter was always Peter. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I, I want to be me. Well, who else would you be but you? The chances of you not being you is none. You're always going to be you. Don't worry about that. But as you mature as a Christian, you're going to develop qualities that were underdeveloped in your life. And it's not you not being you. It's you becoming more like Jesus. Peter and Paul before they knew Jesus, couldn't have been friends. Wouldn't have been friends. Wouldn't have seen each other. Liked each other. Wanted to know each other.
1: Right.
0: True. Yep. But the more and more and more they got like Jesus, the more their, their character qualities were similar.
1: Right.
0: And it makes for such a dynamic leadership in the New Testament era. Because all the leaders weren't the same. They had similar character qualities. But they as people came from completely different places. One of the greatest strengths of our church has been, and I hope always will be, is the diversity of our members. Look around this room. Just go ahead and do a little swivel. Look around. We have got black, white, Latino, Asian, and subdivisions of every one. Okay? (laughs) We've got men, we've got women, we've got people that were raised in very wealthy circumstances. We've got people that were raised in very poor circumstances. We've got people that were raised in a big house. We've got people that were raised in a little house. We've got people from the country. We've got people from the city. We've got people from all kinds of different places.
1: Right.
0: Some of us, more than likely, wouldn't have liked each other before we became Christians. Right wouldn't have been friends. Wouldn't have been in the same place with each other on purpose. But the longer we're Christians, the more we become like Jesus. Now, you always are who you are. And that's okay. Okay. You need to be proud of who you are. You know, one of the passages that was on that thing earlier, Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I am who God wanted me to be. I am a white man. That's what God wanted me to be. I'm a white man. That's okay. You're whatever you are. You know, I did one of those ancestry things a couple of years back or a year back or something like that. And I, I can tell you exactly who I am, you know, from a genetic point of view. And and, and and all of us, we are some sort of combination of something. You say, well, I wish I was totally whatever. You know what? You didn't get a vote on that. <laughs> There's there's some things in life that you have a vote on. There's some things you don't have a vote on. I didn't get a vote. I'm a white man. I didn't have any input into the decision. Neither did you. But I know this. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever combination or whatever you are, you need to say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am exactly what God wants me to be. I'm not even a little bit off. You're perfect. Now go with that and develop who you are. Realize that being a child of God is always more important than that. My number one calling card is not that I'm white or a man. My number one calling card is I'm a Christian. And in that way, I have total family with every other person that's a Christian, whether they look like me or have the same heritage as me or not. It makes no difference at the top because the top definition in my life is Christian. It's more important that I'm a Christian than I'm white. It's more important that I'm a Christian than I'm a man. Are you guys with me? The study of Peter and Paul is fascinating because it fits into who we are as a church. They were totally different. But man, you get them together with the qualities of Jesus in their life and they were phenomenal.
1: Right.
0: That's who we are as a church. The more we become like Jesus, your background then becomes an unbelievable building block of all the people you can reach out to and how powerful it makes the church that every woman in the church is becoming more like Jesus. Every man in the church is becoming more like Jesus. Every marriage is becoming more like Jesus. Every single is becoming more like Jesus. And we have those qualities that together that we share in common, regardless of who we are, of kindness, compassion, humility, boldness, conviction, courage, toughness, not being bitter and resentful, being a servant of God, uh, 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 a people, uh, a person of the people, committed, hardworking and loving and tender. Wow. God works through ordinary people. Right? And guys, that's what we are. We're just ordinary people. I do want to finish my thoughts today with where I started. Respect. Please, please, please. In your communication, verbally or non-verbally, with your dad today, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I'm not going to do Aretha Franklin.
1: (laughs) And we can, and we
0: can, and we can, that'd be memorable. No, that would be a tragedy. (laughs) Show some respect. Love you guys. Have a great day.